You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Ismax. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I'm Andrew. And I'm Polly. Are you excited for a brand new year of podcasts? Because ready or not, here they come. Here we go. But before we get started with our brand new year of podcasts, Mm -hmm. the number one way you can help kids podcasters like us right now is to fill out a survey about the way your family listens to podcasts. From the nonprofit Kids Listen. Yeah, the people who make kids podcasts like us are trying to figure out how people listen so we can make better things for your kids and all kids. Andrew and I are proud members of Kids Listen, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people who create podcasts for kids. And one of the ways they do it is by doing this important research. In fact, we're the only ones doing research like that. So if you will, and please do, take a few minutes to fill out the Kids Listen listener survey at kidslisten.org. Kidslisten.org. You can also find a link in the show notes. And thank you. Okay, on with the show. Well, I rarely get to say that I'm in a clock, <laughs> but I'm inside a clock right now. <laughs> Ear snacks! With Andrew and Polly. Hi, welcome to Ear Snacks. I'm Andrew. And I'm Polly. And today, we're going to have some very special guests on our show. Wait, this is a podcast, so are they on our show or are they in it? Maybe they're in it. Okay, we're going to have some very special guests in our show. On it and in it. Um, Andrew? <laughs> yes? I'm looking around the studio mm-hmm. and I don't know how to tell you this, but mm. there's no one else in here. And I'm looking at my watch mm. and see what time it is. And mm-hmm. are you sure you told the guests the right time to be here? Because the show is now <laughs> and there's no one in on now. Oh, no, Polly. These guests who are going to be in slash on our show are not here in our studio. They're ear snacks for in correspondence. Oh, I know what that means. The guests are going to be sharing some information with mm-hmm. us, but from another country. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So... Which country are they corresponding from? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Polly. Today, our Ear Snacks foreign correspondents are our friends, Ailish, Eliza, and my parents, John and Joan, who all traveled to jolly old England to visit some interesting people and places that have a whole lot of information about... Tick, talk, tick, talk, fox. Who will we visit with first? First, let's go with my friend Ailish to visit John Kendall's clock repair shop on a rainy afternoon in London. <laughs> Do you want a cup of tea or anything? I would love a cup of tea. Oh, fine. Do you take milk? Uh, yes. Sugar? No, thank you. Tea time is a tradition in London. You have some tea. And a biscuit, which means cookie. At three or four in the afternoon. Can you hear the rain and the clocks? My name is John Kendall, and I'm called a clockmaker, but I mainly repair clocks. I've always been interested in clocks. 
I love the way your shop sounds. <laughs> well, some people actually collect these things now just for the sound. Uh -huh. My youngest daughter can't sleep without a clock. She needs the sound. She likes the sound. They are quite unique. Each one sounds slightly different. My favourite sound is what we call the second beat. It beats every second. And it's a gentle, relaxing sound. If you want, you can hear the sound. Yes, of it. I'd love to. It's so lovely. Wow, I love the way it sounds in John Kendall's shop. I can hear ticks. Tick. And talks. Talk. Ooh, Polly, I am just noticing that... You are wearing a clock right now. Yep, I am wearing a clock that you can wear. No, you don't wear clocks. My watch? A watch. A watch. But that clock isn't making any sounds. Oh, no, this watch isn't making any sounds no. right now. Ooh, ooh, so fun question for you, Andrew, ooh. and if you're listening at home. Mm -hmm. If my clock that I'm wearing doesn't make a sound, mm -hmm. is it a clock? Ooh, I think I know this one. Um, okay, a long time ago, in the 14th century, or maybe even a little before, there were a few words in different languages that meant bell. And the term klokke, C-L-O-K-K-E, came into use. Oh, that just means people said it. Right. People said klokke to mean clock with bells. Chime and bells. Some of those other bell words include the Middle Dutch, klokke, Dutch, Old Norse French, the modern French, and Celtic, there were bells or klokkas that rang at particular times, and that's why clocks are called clocks. Okay, so your answer yes. is that my watch isn't a clock because it doesn't make a sound. Yes, final answer. Technically, you are correct. That is the history of where the word clock came from. It's something that tells the time. Tells time. That also makes a sound with a bell. Chime and bells. To share what hour it is or when the hour changes. So, yay, I got it. Yep, you did. So technically, this would be called a timepiece. A timepiece. Yes, a timepiece. Hmm. Because it keeps and tells the time. Tells you the time but it doesn't sound. What a cool word. A piece that keeps the time, a timepiece. Yeah, and it yeah. keeps track of all the pieces <gasps> of time we were talking about before with our friends. Oh yeah, amounts of time, like? A second, second. a minute, a minute, an hour. One hour? But that's very specific. Nowadays, we really call anything that keeps time a clock. It doesn't have to sound or a bell or a clocka or whatever you were saying <laughs> to be called a clock. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, well, there's something else that I've noticed, Polly, about your timepiece watch clock that you're wearing. Um, it looks a little different than those clocks our friends were describing last week. What do you mean? My watch is round. It looks like a circle. It's round. But Polly, it doesn't have any hands. Oh, no, you're right. right. This clock doesn't have hands. It doesn't. Some clocks have hands that move around. Round and round. Round and round. 
and point to what the time is. This watch, though, it has numbers that display the number of the time. Also, just it doesn't make any noises. Folly. Back on the sound again. Remember, we just went over that. No, it doesn't make a bell sound, but it's no, still no. A clock. It's not just that it doesn't make a bell sound. It doesn't make any sounds. Polly, listen. Oh, you're right. Well, what's that all about? Why do all those clocks in John Kendall's clock shop make sounds and my clock makes no sound? I think they might be different kinds of clocks. They must be. I mean, I definitely can't get inside of this clock the way Ailish got inside of a clock at John Kendall's. Oh, yeah. Well, I rarely get to say that I'm in a clock, <laughs> but I'm inside a clock right now. <laughs> Ooh, you know what, Polly? What's that, Andrew? My parents went to England and visited a cousin of ours named Johnny Flower. Uh, I'm Jonathan Flower, known as Johnny Flower is how I like to be called. And I think Johnny Flower has some information that might help us figure out the difference between your watch and the clocks in John Kendall's clock shop. I have an office with a lot of clocks in it. My office is in our house, which is on the edge of a very small village in a county called Shropshire in the northwest of England. And if you were here, you would see clocks on every wall uh, of all different sizes and shapes and colors. And you would hear frenetic ticking, a, a cacophony of sound. A frenetic ticking, a cacophony of sound. That means he has a bunch of noisy clocks around. (laughs) Yes, Johnny sells clocks, so he has a house full of clocks. So many clocks. Clocks ticking at different speeds, where you have little pendulums that tick tock very quickly, and one second pendulums that tick slower than your heartbeat. So 60 beats a minute. Andrew. Yes, Polly? Stop the tape. I think we might have figured out the difference between my watch clock timepiece and all the clocks at John Kendall's and Johnny Flowers, all those J people places in England. (laughs) What is it, Polly? I think it has something to do with a pendulum. 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 What is a pendulum? And this, this is a pendulum? Pendulum is a rod that governs the movement of the clock for keeping time. Mm-hmm. Invented quite early on. The ticking heart of a clock or a watch. It looks like a lantern. It's huge. Now, if a kid is looking at a clock, how can they find the pendulum? The pendulum just goes from side to side. Side to side. Side to side. Okay. And it looks like a plate a on big, a stick. big bob. It's a rod with a weight or bob at its end, whose swinging motion regulates the speed at which a clock runs. Yeah. From one side of the clock to another. My watch doesn't have a that. How do you know your watch doesn't have a that? Well, John Kendall says a pendulum goes side to side. Side to side. And, well, just hang on a second. If you just let me open up my watch, I'm just going to get this butter knife and I'm just going to hang on a second. Polly, do you know what you're doing? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been opening up clocks for like, um, well, I just started, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. So, Mm. uh, okay, there we go. Got it open. So, Andrew, let's take a look in there. (laughs) Uh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking at, Polly. Well, neither am I, mm. but I'll tell you what, there is nothing moving in there that mm, I can see. Nope. No, sir. There is nothing that looks like a plate on a nope. stick. Nope. Nothing. Nothing moving at all. No ticks or talks. 
So my watch, it's some kind of timepiece that doesn't use moving parts mm. to keep track of the time. And the clocks at Johnny Flowers and John Kendall's shops do move. They actually have moving parts inside. Some are what we call mechanical. Mechanical moving parts. Either driven by a spring, spring. or driven by a weight. Weights hanging down. So all these clocks with parts that move and make sounds, mm -hmm. those are called mechanical clocks. And your watch is keeping time without any moving parts. Yes. Hmm. Okay, well now I have another question related to that, mm -hmm. which is how long have people been keeping the time with the help of mechanical clocks? I think our friend Eliza might have found out the answer to that. She visited the Clockmakers Museum in London. You are listening to Ear Snacks. A clock museum inside a science museum. Oh Surely we will get some answers we need from that kind of a place. Mm -hmm. Hi, Andrew and Polly. Hi, Eliza. Hey, Liza. I'm in the Clockmakers Museum inside of London's Science Museum. I'm looking around. There are a lot of people looking at watches and clocks here. Which is kind of fun. We'll share some of Eliza's pictures on Instagram. So this collection of clocks and watches is the oldest of its kind in the world. It was begun in 1813 by the Worshipful Company of Clockmakers, an ancient City of London guild. Its purpose is to tell the remarkable story of the clockmakers of London. All right, let's see what else we can find. Clocks. Okay, the oldest clock I can find in here. I think it started with sundials. Oh, sundials! Our friends told us about those. Yeah, sundial. A sundial is one of the simplest devices you can imagine. You can put a stick in the ground, and basically, you've got a sundial. Probably the very earliest way humans had to be able to tell the time. To tell what time is it. But sundials, their ability to tell time is based on the sun, and the sun is available for different amounts of time during different parts of the year, depending on where you live in the world. And so time was kind of shifted around a bit. Now over here I'm seeing a turret clock. Turret clock. Which is a big iron scaffolding with what look like bicycle chains in it and gears and a big pendulum swinging and two big weights hanging down. And it tells me here that turret clocks situated in church towers and other sizable buildings have been at the heart of life in England since the medieval period. Their remarkable efficiency and longevity places them among the oldest machines still in active daily service. London clockmakers have long been famous for the quality of the turret clocks that they built. So church towers and any kind of a clock in a tower is a turret clock. Polly, no wonder your watch isn't a mechanical clock. Why is that, Andrew? Well, can you imagine a whole clock filling up a huge tower? And then can you imagine wearing that huge tower clock on your wrist? Oh, no, that won't work. No! I mean, unless you're a giant. Hello! Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so the oldest time-telling device Eliza could find in the museum was the sundial, but eventually mechanical clocks were invented. But they did not fit on your wrist. <laughs> not just that. They also had to be very still in order to work because they were mechanical. They worked as a machine with all those parts. 
And one of the first places that people needed clocks, other than a nice big steady clock tower, was a boat. In practice, the best land-based timekeeper, the pendulum, would not work at sea. And that would not work on a ship? No, because of the moving up and down. The clocks have to be stable with pendulums. So actually, at some point, someone had to have the idea to invent a special kind of clock with moving parts that could work when it was moving. Harrison invented uh, a clock for traveling across the world on boats which didn't use a pendulum. It uses what's called a platform escapement. The escapement doesn't have to be stable. They're actually designed to be transported around. Mariners had no means of finding their longitude at sea. Terrible disasters resulted. The need to be able to calculate longitude at sea became so acute by 1714 that the British government offered a prize of 20,000 pounds for a solution. An accurate marine clock was thought by some to be the answer, and the prize precipitated a surge of interest in scientific horology throughout Europe. Marine chronometers which were used to navigate the world. John Harrison, whose lifetime of experimentation brought him to Lincolnshire to live in London, eventually won the prize. His fourth marine timekeeper and his fifth displayed here changed the world. Wait, am I hearing this correctly? John Harrison and his invention helped people know when they were and also where they were when they were out at sea? In theory, if a clock is set to local time at a home port and maintained accurately, a navigator simply has to check the time where he is by observing the heavens and compare it with home time as shown by the clock. The time difference will reveal the number of degrees east or west of home the ship had traveled. Wow, that is so cool. So even as people began to travel far around the world by boat, they could still know what time it was. And you can imagine that the farther and farther people went from their home, the more and more important it was that clocks were all telling a similar, if not exact, time. That can be a tricky business with a mechanical clock. Temperature is the big factor that affects the accuracy of a clock. So if it's very cold, the clock will go fast. And conversely, if it's hot, because the pendulum will lengthen, it'll slow down. It'll slow down. Most clocks run for eight days, so you wind them every seven days so that you don't get caught out. So if you get caught out because of weather or you didn't wind your clock, you'd be in a tight spot. But there are special clocks called regulator clocks. Regulators. And that's the kind of clock that Johnny Flowers sells. The clocks that I deal in are called regulators. They're generally in jewelers or watchmakers' workshops. And they regulated all the other clocks and watches that were in for repair. So they're highly accurate clocks. They're more like scientific instruments used for mapping the stars. Mapping stars. Ooh. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a little bit or a lot of information on how time was kept by machines that humans invented and took care of. Polly, do you have to do all that stuff to take care of your watch? I mean, I need to not drop it in the bathtub, <laughs> but no, I don't have to do much to make sure my watch runs aside from replacing a battery or something every now and then. So that's also another way your watch is different from a mechanical watch. 
it keeps keeping time all by itself. One more thing before we go. I'm realizing there's probably a word for keeping time. Well, horology, I think, is the important word. Horology, the art or science of measuring time. Horology means timekeeping. Also, the art of constructing timekeepers. And if you study clocks or repair clocks, you're um, a horologist. (laughs) (laughs) And put your teeth back in after that one. All right, everybody, put your teeth back in, whatever that means. And congratulations. For what? Because now that we're all thinking so much about time, we're studying it, mm-hmm. I think we can say that we are all horologists. We're all horologists? Hooray for horology! Quick talk. Quick talk. Fox. And that's our show. That's our show. You can visit the Clockmakers Museum and John Kendall's Number 4 Clock Shop in London. You can learn more about regulator clocks at theregulatorclockcompany.com. Regulatorclockcompany.com. And you can visit us at earsnacks.org. Earsnacks.org. Or on Instagram to see a bunch of cool pictures of all these clocks we talked about. Thanks so much to Johnny Flower, John Kendall, Ailish Cahill, John and Joan Barkan, the worshipful company of clockmakers, and Eliza Gregory for sharing with us about the history of clocks and clockmaking from England. Thanks for sharing this time with us. And in our next episode, we'll think a little bit about how we keep time today and how that time feels. Happy New Year! Ear Snacks is made by Andrew and Polly. Thanks for listening.